my name is Nico, and um, as uh, those of you thinking about taking a class next fall, I'm going to use this opportunity to shamelessly promote my class, uh, uh, PPP 659. Everyone should take it. Um, <laughs> uh, D DPI 659, sorry. PPP is the old one. DPI 659. So uh, I am, my class is on uh, new media and politics and, uh, and the impact of the internet on uh, politics, press, and um, uh, government. Uh, we are delighted today to have at this brown bag uh, Peter uh, Greenberger, who is coming to us from Google. His title there is Head of Industry Relations, a broad and encompassing title. It's quite, uh, quite terrifying if you ask me. But he, um, uh, prior to you know, his current job, he is going to talk a little bit about where he's at, uh, um, you know, helping to manage uh, Google's <coughs> relationships, especially in the advertising industry, which you know, I think in some in some sense Google's played a little bit the emperor has no clothes role there and ruffled a number of uh, feathers in the traditional advertising industry. Um, but uh, prior to taking on that role at Google, he really started and grew Google's political advertising and political media business, which is of enormous interest to me and I'm really eager to hear what he has to say about that, ask him some questions. Um, prior to doing that at Google, he was a prominent Democratic uh, political strategist and, uh, and, uh, and consultant, uh, notably was the man manager of uh, Brent Coburn's uh, Senate campaign in Oklahoma, if I have that right? Uh, <coughs> Carson, Brad Carson. Brad Carson. Uh, lost to uh, Tom Coburn. Lost to Tom Coburn. Lost, lost, to, yeah. lost to Tom Coburn, that's right. Uh, Senator Coburn <laughs> versus Brad Carson. Um, the um, so he has a you know long history in in uh, in Democratic politics and you know of great interest to me coming out of the out of really the technical side of the of the internet industry and, and getting into politics was the way that um, you know the traditional political campaign um, you really has you know you might say three or well, we said four variables that matter, right? You must have, the candidate has to have their message, they have to raise money, and they use the money to buy media to shape the public's uh, impression uh, of their candidate or, or, the, or, the, or their opponent. Um, the, uh, there's Zephyr. And so, uh, um, you know, the, you, you have your message, you raise money to buy media, uh, media helps to persuade people to vote for your candidate or to, you know, vote, not vote at all or vote against your opponent. Um, and then you also have uh, get out the vote and getting actual, the actual turnout operation, field operation to get people to turn out to vote. And for a long time in American politics, the, uh, the money and the media part of the equation have really dominated. You know, uh, the bulk of the money Obama raised on the internet, he turned around and spent on television. And so there's kind of a, there's a curious paradox here that the internet is really well understood for raising money online, at least in uh, presidential campaign elections, maybe a little bit less so at the state and, uh, non, and certainly non-federal, but even the state and congressional level. Um, but the internet's not well understood, uh, I think, uh, for persuasion and for media. And so uh, with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Peter, hopefully he can uh, give us some, 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 some powerful commentary, and then we can grill him with questions. Sounds good. Thank you very much, uh, Nico, for the introduction. Thank you all for allowing me the opportunity to be here today. It is an honor, uh, though I won't admit that to my Yale classmates when I see them at our reunion in a, in a month or so, uh, but I know they'll be envious. Um, what I thought I would do today was to talk quickly about uh, three topics. And then, uh, as Nico said, open it up to questions. First, I'll tell you a little bit about what brought me to Google, how I landed there, my political background. Second, I'll talk a little bit about our political advertising team, why we started at Google, why we ventured into uh, that world after having a pretty successful business in other industries. And then, um, finally, talk a little bit about how campaigns are using Google, using digital more broadly, but. Um, more specific to Google, how they're using our tools to win in 2010. Um, I, st I started at Google just about three years ago, so in 2007, uh, with, the, uh, with the task of launching 
and managing the first political advertising team at Google. And this was, was as we were getting ready for 2008, which we all saw as potentially a transformative year in, in many ways, but uh, not least of all with use of the internet in politics. I had come from a political background for about a decade, 12 years or so. I worked on democratic political campaigns in different parts of the country, worked for Clinton in 96, actually volunteered uh, for Clinton in 92, handing out those famous videotapes, The Man from Hope. I don't think we use VCR videotapes in campaigns as much, but uh, back then it was, that was real grassroots. Um, went on to uh, manage campaigns, as Nico said, managed a Senate race in Oklahoma in 2004, uh, in, in, uh, which turned out to be not a great year to manage a Democratic Senate race, particularly in the state of Oklahoma. So licking my wounds, I decided to get off the campaign trail and join up with some friends of mine who'd started a, a new media firm appropriately named New Media Strategies in uh, right outside of Washington, D.C., where they took me on to uh, found their own public affairs practice. I had seen from the lessons of 2004, where in the primary season I was uh, in New Hampshire as Joe Lieberman, state director, uh, for his primary campaign. Incidentally, when I'm meeting with Republican clients, I usually lead with the fact that I work for Joe Lieberman and I hold back the gore uh, <laughs> stuff until we really get to know each other a little better. Um, so depending on the audience here, uh, there's a little bit of Lieberman and a little bit of Clinton and, and Gore. Um, I, I saw what Dean had done, I, and, and, I, and as, as we all did, and I recognized that a political operative with no experience, with no digital experience was not going to be a very effective political operative in the future. So I thought New Media Strategies was as good a place as any to learn that trade. When Google came calling in 2007, they were looking for somebody with political experience, somebody with sales experience, and somebody with internet experience, which was at the time uh, actually a relatively hard thing to find. And I was lucky enough to be recruited to start that team. As I mentioned, this was the first time that Google had decided to enter political advertising in, 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 a, in an aggressive or concerted fashion. We have 9, 10, 11 different verticals of business in our, in our sales operation uh, in, in the Americas and globally, ranging from healthcare, uh, consumer packaged goods, entertainment, auto, finance, and a handful of others. Um, political is not something we ventured into, but we thought for a couple reasons it made a lot of sense. First of all, it fits very well with our broader <coughs> corporate mission. So Google's mission, which we are uh, indoctrinated to learn upon our arrival at Google, is to organize the world's information and to make it universally accessible and useful to everyone, everywhere, at all times. That last bit we sort of add on just to cover everything else that we're up to. Um, so we think that providing consumers and, and voters and constituents an opportunity to find the candidates they're looking for, to find the political information that is relevant to their lives, to also help campaigns and issue groups reach voters in, in an effective, efficient way is a positive uh, role that we can play in the public discourse uh, here in America and, and uh, around the world. It's also very much a democratizing platform. It will allow the very smallest advertiser with the uh, smallest budgets to compete against the very largest advertiser. That goes not only for a mom and pop shop in Walmart, but also for your state rep candidate versus uh, Barack Obama. Uh, it goes for in the healthcare debate. We saw the very largest healthcare uh, insurance companies advertising alongside individual citizens in some cases who had something to say about the healthcare debate. So primarily, um, or at least one of the primary reasons that we started the team was to further our own company's mission. Second is the outsized attention and importance that political activity generates in, in other verticals. Uh, and what I mean by that is people watch what happens in politics. People write about it. Uh, people discuss it uh, ad nauseum. Uh, and we thought that if, if we could introduce some of these digital strategies to campaigns, that was a good way to reach other people. So in many cases, businesses large and small watched what Howard Dean did, for instance, in 2004, and were, were quick to uh, start blogging. Right? Blogging really went mainstream. I think you could argue, as, as, as well as other forms of digital uh, meetups and, and, and grassroots from, from what Dean did in 2004. Certainly the Obama example in 2008, being a winning example, attracted even more attention. Um, and we think this is a good way to reach other businesses. We just saw a great example of this a week ago. Uh, this was written about in Brand Week, where Infinity ran what we call a network blast, which we'll, I'll talk about a little bit uh, later today. 
basically copying what Scott Brown did here in Massachusetts. So here's an example of, of a corporate advertiser watching what a, uh, a successful political campaign did using digital, and now they're incorporating that into their strategies. That always helps justify uh, our existence to, to people in the sales organization. Um, and then third, of course, uh, as our CEO, Eric Schmidt, is, is fond of saying, revenue solves all known problems. Uh, and, and in this case, we, we, we do see a pretty big revenue opportunity here. There are about half a million elected officials in the United States alone. There are a number of political committees, uh, obviously local, national, and, uh, and, and in the states, countless issue groups and interest uh, organizations who advertise. It's a multi-billion dollar industry every year. We believe that the share of digital uh, spending is only going to go up from, from, from where it is today, and that Google has a good shot at capturing uh, a small but substantial percentage of those billions of dollars. So those are some of the reasons why we decided to engage in, in, the, in the political realm. Um, it has been going on now, as I said, we launched it in 2007, and, and as, as Nico mentioned, my role from starting and leading that team has shifted a little bit. I remain involved. Uh, I prefer, uh, you know, of my many titles, Chief Evangelist of Political Ads <laughs> at Google because it sort of puts me on a, a plane with Vint Cerf, who's Chief Evangelist of the Internet. I feel like I'm sort of one of his uh, disciples. That's fine uh, company. That's, that's right. He might not say that, but uh, I, I like to think of myself uh, in that role. Um, and what we've done is we've expanded the business. So what, what, without getting too deep into the weeds about how Google runs its sales operation, um, we had a team set up in 08 that could very effectively handle a handful, maybe a couple dozen big campaigns uh, in a high-touch way. We were not set up to handle hundreds of campaigns. And what we are now seeing is that uh, what went from in 2008, where you'd really have the presidentials and just a handful of other campaigns doing this, literally 15 or 20 or so uh, members of Congress using online advertising consistently, at least with us, uh, we're now seeing it in just about every single race, every single special election since 2008, uh, every single candidate using it. So we, we, we switched our, uh, our business model to make sure that we could capture that and, and provide adequate service. Um, so finally, talking a little bit about what is that service? So what are we offering to campaigns? What are we seeing successful campaigns use in, in, since 2008 and 2009 and now as we enter the, the, the 2010 midterm elections? Digital can help at each phase of a political campaign. Again, as Nico mentioned, you've got the three or four M's, uh, message, uh, media, uh, message, money. message money, of course, media mobilization. It's gotta be another M we can, we can come up with collectively. Uh, but what I do is I look at it in, in, in generally five uh, buckets. The first being your startup. So the campaign is, is a classic startup situation. Um, it's an organization that's gonna be temporary, that's gotta, gotta get running right away, it's gotta scale very quickly. It's very collaborative. Um, it's not an organization best suited, for instance, to purchase a year-long software licensing agreement. Uh, so we think that Google Enterprise Solutions is a great way for campaigns to get started. And by Google Enterprise Solutions, I mean Gmail. There's a corporate version of Gmail that we offer uh, free for, for companies under 50 people. Uh, I think about 50 bucks a head for those over, so it's very affordable. Um, Gmail, Calendar, uh, docs, spreadsheets, um, all um, uh, maps, Google Voice, uh, and on and, and on and on. I'll just interrupt for one minute. When I was on the Dean campaign, this is a significant issue. You know, the campaign was growing very quickly. In over two weeks, we hired 800 people. Mm -hmm. To buy an Outlook license for each person was between $200 and $400 a piece, uh, not to mention Exchange Server. It just, the, the, the you know, at, for a campaign that might only last six months, the, the, sunk cost in software and kind of the old model of buying software in a store and installing on a, your computer is quite significant and I think probably underestimated, underrepresented is the value of the, the Google hosted app service. A absolutely, and, and we've seen that not only with small businesses but, but also with campaigns um, and it's, it is a growing piece of, of Google's larger business called our enterprise business and, and not only the efficiencies of it and also the, the um, use of having us host everything, which, which, which is easier in many cases for smaller operations, but the collaborative nature of the tools. And, and we saw this, if anybody in here uses uh, Google Documents or Google Spreadsheets, some hands, anybody? <laughs> Terrific, excellent. Um, you know, uh, when, they're, when, when they're working the way they should, they're very collaborative. Different people can add to a spreadsheet at the same time. 
And if you can imagine a dozen different field offices in a single state, everybody's knocking on doors, everybody's inputting data, <coughs> it makes a lot more sense than everybody saving a spreadsheet, uh, sending it to somebody else, resaving it, making sure you're on the right spreadsheet at the right time. Uh, in my day, uh, which really wasn't that long ago, but we would, at the end of the night after you had made all your phone calls, you would record them on a piece of paper and you would fax it into the headquarters in Manchester and you would hope that the fax would be busy because there were 10 other offices around the state who were doing the same thing and of course then there was the poor schmuck sitting in Manchester who was waiting uh, for all the field officers to fax in their stuff so uh, he had the worst job but uh, things have changed hopefully for the better. Um, so setting up campaigns and, and efficient use of resources is very important we think we can help with that. Um, second is building your list. And what we have discovered and what we've all seen is that generally the campaign or the candidate or the cause with the biggest list, uh, if, if they don't win, they certainly have a great advantage. Obama's vaunted uh, 13 million person list went a long way towards, uh, I think, helping him beat uh, Hillary Clinton in the primary and ultimately winning in the general. Search advertising is, if not the most, it's, it's, got a, it's certainly got to be towards the top of the most efficient way to collect names. Uh, if someone's looking for a topic, if they're looking for a candidate, uh, if they're looking for, let's say, information on health care reform, you might see a small ad that says, click here to find out why I support health care reform, or click here to fire Nancy Pelosi and repeal uh, health care reform. And this is a great way uh, for, for, for very little money to sign people up uh, to join your cause. The third thing is, is money and fundraising, uh, which is, of course, going to go on throughout the campaign. Search advertising, too, has proved to be very, very efficient way of raising money, along with email, along with uh, social networks uh, to some extent as well. Uh, we've seen great ROI, return on investment for campaigns. The Obama campaign, uh, and not everybody can be like the Obama campaign, but they enjoyed uh, a, a 15 to 1 ROI. So every dollar they spent on Google, they brought in $15. And the cam and, campaign and is set about 7 to 1. And that means that they would, they would, when you typed in Barack Obama, they'd have an ad say, give it yeah join the campaign now, click here to give. Exactly, so they had, they, they used countless different versions of, of, of ads like that, depending what they wanted, uh, whether it was to sign you up for information, whether it was for uh, influencing you on one issue or another, which I'll talk about in a moment, or responding to allegations or attacks. Uh, but in, in many ways, the most effective was just simply that. And, and some of you may have seen this, whether it was, a, it was Obama or McCain, if you had typed in either one, you would have had a, a very generous opportunity uh, to contribute right away. You'd see an ad, you'd click here to contribute, you'd click on it, it would take you directly to the page on the website where you contribute. So to, to not lose you on the home page, not lose you on a policy page. Uh, they, they, they knew that you were a hot lead and they didn't want to uh, put anything in the way of you and your credit card. Um, so, so raising money, of course, on the internet, as, as we've talked about, has been huge. And, and both of those things, building your list and raising money, fall very squarely in the idea of direct response. Um, and in, in, in general, in advertising and with online advertising, and, and Nico alluded to this, you've got your direct response advertisers, which have found great success on the internet. And then you've got your branding advertisers. These are, are really the big guys, the brands that we know and love. Uh, they generally advertise on television. They're not looking for a direct response. They don't think you're going to click an ad and buy a car uh, at that moment. Um, but you may be influenced by what you see by a video to get yourself up, look for more information, or go into the showroom. Um, and what we're seeing, I think, is a, an evolution from direct response to persuasion. So this fourth uh, a piece of a campaign that we can help with is very much this persuasion of rapid response. Using search, so the, so the classic rapid response examples there would be if you had typed in Obama Muslim during the campaign, you would have seen an ad from the Obama campaign saying Obama is a Christian, click here for more information. Uh, during the McDonald campaign in Virginia that we recently saw, uh, you may recall he had some issues with a thesis he wrote some years back. If you had searched for McDonald thesis, you would have seen an ad from the McDonald campaign saying, women love me, uh, click here to see my daughter, see how much she loves me. Uh, or or uh, you, you might have seen an ad uh, alternatively from the other side saying, click here to find out the dirty details about the McDonald thesis. So it's an opportunity to reach a voter at the very moment he or she is looking for information about that candidate, whether it's false or true or, or somewhere in between, you have an opportunity to influence that. And then broad, uh, more broadly, to, to, to persuade voters, uh, you can also advertise using video or using banner, using display ads, uh, flash ads across the internet. We saw, we are seeing campaigns make great use of YouTube. YouTube is a Google-owned uh, entity. 
Uh, we offer free politician channels where campaigns can upload their own video. Uh, Obama uploaded over 1,800 videos and millions and millions <coughs> of views. And you can also now run in-stream ads or pre-roll or post-roll uh, ads, political and otherwise, on YouTube. So we're seeing more of that. And I think if campaigns do end up spending more money online, it's, it's going to have to be how they evolve from just using direct response, moving into persuasion, because that really is where the big dollars are on television. Uh, and then finally, the, the final M, mobilization, or, or GOTV, getting out the vote. Uh, candidates have used Google very effectively with something that, that we call the network blast. Uh, others have called it the Google surge. And what this involves is flooding the zone with, um, with millions of impressions of display ads in a very short period of time in a localized region. So we have something called the Google Content Network. This is wherever you see ads by Google on different sites. Um, so we're running those ads, we're matching them up, whether it's by the content of the page or by the demographic who's, who's, who are reading those sites. Um, and what we can do, and for instance, what Scott Brown did here in Massachusetts in an effort to recruit volunteers, he ran ads saying, sign up to volunteer uh, for, for election day. And he ran them in certain areas of Massachusetts for 24 hours uh, across 1,000 or 5,000 different sites to make sure that everybody who went on a computer surf the internet over this period of times would see those ads. Uh, unfortunately for you, he didn't run them in Cambridge. Uh, he didn't necessarily want to drive up turnout in Cambridge when he went for volunteers here. Uh, so you probably were in a blackout area, but everywhere around, uh, not everywhere, but in certain key areas around here, you would have seen those ads uh, ad nauseum. So uh, those are, those are f five of the ways that we, we think smart campaigns are, are using ads. Our mantra in 2010 is, Cleverly enough, 10 in 10. We're encouraging political campaigns to allocate 10% of their advertising dollars to the internet in 2010, which is dramatically more than they did a few years ago. So in 2004, the Bush campaign and the Kerry campaign each spent about 0.8% of their ad dollars on the internet, so uh, less than 1% in 2004. Um, and in uh, 2008, Barack Obama spent about 4% of his ad dollars on the internet. Luckily, it was in he had a very big pie, so 4% ended up being not a bad sum. Uh, but we've seen a dramatic increase since then. McDonald in Virginia spent 7.5% of his advertising budget on the internet. And then Scott Brown uh, in Massachusetts spent 10% of his ad dollars on the internet. So we're very encouraged by what we're seeing. We think that this will continue. We think it's a very efficient way of spending campaign resources, a very effective way. And we are optimistic that in 2010, we will see a wide adoption by political campaigns, going from really the margins in 08, the margins being the presidentials, uh, to mainstream, where we'll, we'll see search advertising being used in just about every uh, major and even not so major political campaign in 2010. So that is uh, hopefully uh, kept to my about five minutes per section to give you a, a little uh, overview of, of, of how I got uh, to Google, why we're doing what we're doing, and how campaigns are taking advantage of our tools. And now I'd love to open it up. Yeah, actually, I'm going to take my program and ask you a couple questions. Okay. <laughs> now we'll open up. So uh, I'm very interested. I have three questions. The first is, um, in terms of what's what you see being effective for political advertising, um, you know, the vast majority of Google's inventory, well, I don't know the vast majority, but a significant chunk of Google's inventory is purely search-related. And I'm curious what other kinds of inventory you see. You mentioned kind of really briefly you know, video post-roll, pre-roll and post-roll, maybe interstitial. And you also mentioned, uh, you know, the Google Content Network and Google's role as a placer of advertisers rather than a kind of destination serving ads. Uh, and so I'm curious about search versus other kinds of ad inventory. Sure. And that, that for us, is the critical question. Uh, we have, Again, we have, we have a, a, a very nice search business, and it's, it's very effective. It works very well with direct response. If you're looking for something, search advertising is a great way for you as a consumer to find it. It's also a great way for an advertiser to find you. It's a lot cheaper than, than running an ad during the Super Bowl, although nothing against that because we did it too. So uh, there, there, there's, a, there's room for every form of advertising, but for direct response, that's very efficient. We think that branding, uh, brand advertisers, um, and in political parlance, you can call that persuasion, uh, or really your TV budget, <laughs> you know, your, your, your big budgets. Um, we think that more of that should be spent online. And, and we think that because 
people are looking for information on the internet in growing numbers. And in fact, in, 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 as, as I'm sure you've seen some of these studies, 2008 was the first year that more people looked online for political information than they did in print. Okay, but what I'm trying to get at is that when I, if I'm a campaign person and I buy television ads, I don't like one of the advantages of television ads is you if you're watching TV you don't have any choice whether or not you can watch the ad you have to watch the ad right not necessarily Whereas, with, with not necessarily well, DVR and DVR that. sure but the but that but it's very different than search where there's kind of a, you you can only run search ads for people who are searching on terms you're advertising on that's right, right? It's, it's much more active and so so it's kind of uh, yeah so yeah. so so which is why we would recommend to campaigns. Run your search campaign. Look for those active searchers who, who might form your base, or they might, uh, you know, or, or voters who are interested in finding more information. But also run display and video to, to reach these more passive viewers, to equate it more to television. And and, the, and different ways to do that would be, um, we have this, as I mentioned, this, this vast Google content network. So this is a million plus websites across the internet, from very top brand names to individual blogs or, or very small sites, where Google places ads. Uh, it's a revenue share, so we place an ad on the New York Times, you click on it, the New York Times uh, gets a, a large percentage and we get a, a smaller percentage, um, and that's how you can place it. So what we'll tell a campaign is, let's say you're trying to reach uh, a certain demographic. We'll come back to you and we'll say, here's a list of, of 100 sites that we think reach women between 18 and 34, uh, certain education level, certain family status, um, and a certain region. So let's start running your ads just on those sites in that region. Uh, we can even day part it. Maybe those people are very busy from, from 9 to 5. Let's just run them at night. Uh, so we can do that very effectively. We can also run these ads contextually. So let's say you want to run an ad everywhere within our network the word healthcare reform appears. Um, so the, 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 you know, our, our, the same technology that is triggering those search queries with the terms you type in at google.com is going to trigger your ad whenever it reads the text uh, in a newspaper or some other online publishers, publishing source, sees healthcare reform places your ad right alongside it. So that, that would be our answer to the campaign, is looking to reach those passive people. Mm -hmm. Either they're reading about the topic, or mm -hmm. even if they're not reading about the topic, but you know that women voters are, are going to be your sweet spot, you need to reach them, mm -hmm. we can help you reach those votes. My second question is, is to drill down into the persuasion a little bit more, right? If I'm a campaign manager and I'm down, in a, you know, there's polling and it's neck and neck and I'm down by a few points, it's generally accepted conventionalism that if I have the money, I can go on TV and with a good ad, you can demonstrably change, you can persuade the electorate um, uh, and, and test it kind of before and after with the polling. And I haven't seen any similar effort online. And I know of some efforts to do that, and it just hasn't worked well. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about how the online dynamic for persuasion is significantly different than the, than the TV or direct mail dynamic. It is different, uh, and, and one is not a substitute for, for the other. And we think that in, in many ways they're very complementary. You see an ad on television, hopefully it piques your interest, you might go online for more information. So uh, in that case, we, we recommend integrating your strategy. You're running a television spot. Make sure that your search matches that. If someone sees the ad, they do a search. You want to make sure they find your ad. With regards to how it moves numbers, that is the great question. And, and, and um, television is a, a terrifically effective medium for doing that, for moving numbers, which ultimately is the name of the game uh, when it comes down to election day. We are, however, starting to see some studies that are showing movement solely from online ads. And, and, and I'm thinking of, of a study that we're going we're gonna to put out shortly uh, with a client who is, is not yet willing to share it all, but, but, but will be very soon. And essentially, they ran a ton of ads, so they ran a network blast mm -hmm. in the D.C. metro area, uh, hoping to raise awareness about a certain topic. They pulled before the ad blitz, mm -hmm. they, they pulled after the ad blitz, uh, and they showed they, they, they saw some movement. They, they, they showed a raise in awareness, a raise in people who are willing to look for more information and actually take action. So I think that the Scott Brown campaign is one of the campaigns that has spent the most online yeah, for advertising by a significant margin, at least at the state or local le or, or the non-presidential, I should say. And I'm wondering, did they come to you to do that? Did you have to sell them? Like, I'm just imagining you've been a campaign manager. If you have three hundred grand and the choice is between putting it on TV to where you know you can move a couple points versus putting it online where it's a lot higher risk, how do you make that decision? So, well, like, what happened with the Scott Brown folks? Uh, yeah, was it their idea, or they, how was they, the? Um, 
their idea, I mean, to, certainly the credit goes to them. They had, they had a very savvy team, very savvy digital team, um, and they were trying different things. Now, th there's always a great advantage to being, uh, at least initially, the insurgent or being uh, the non-establishment candidate. You're going to try whatever works. Uh, you also probably don't have as much money as the other person, and I think to some extent this is what what, what defined the, the, the Clinton-Obama race uh, in, in the early stages, at least of the primary. Um, insurgents are, are more willing to try different things, almost by necessity. Uh, Constraint breeds risk Exactly, tolerance. as I think Howard Dean did uh, very effectively, too. Um, now, I think that uh, th that's part of it. Uh, I, it didn't hurt that they raised $13 million in the last month, so 200 grand here, 300 grand there, you know, uh, pretty soon you're talking about real money, but for them, they, they needed to spend that money very quickly. Uh, but for us, it's, it's very much a collaborative process. They came to us, we were pitching them, we were giving them uh, different, different uh, solutions on how they could use this technology, how we thought it would be beneficial, uh, help them put it together. I, I, how our team works is to try and leave no stone unturned. So we're meeting with consultants who ultimately, in many cases, hold the first strings, the media consultants uh, most often. We, of course, meet with the digital <coughs> consultants. Uh, we're meeting with the committees. Uh, we're meeting, in some cases, when we can, with the candidates themselves. Uh, we're trying to get the message out as well, broadly as we can. It's in some it's ways a hard it, sell, it's a hard sell, and, and, in some, and in some yeah. ways it's generational. I think, I think you will see um, older, more experienced consultants generally come from media uh, or print, um, and they're a little more reluctant to try the new technologies. But, but in, in their uh, defense, TV works and they know it works, yeah. and we've got to make the case that digital works aspect. I have one more question, but I'm going to turn it over to uh, some <laughs> students first, because I could, I'm sure, I could have a, we could have a great talk. Um, uh, so looking for students first, any questions? Go ahead. So my question is about your 15 to 1 ratio, you said for Obama, how typical is that for political candidates at the different levels, and how does that compare with different mediums as well? Is it easier for you to sell to the campaign advertisers to say, hey, 15 to 1, or is it kind of more nebulous for the other one, so it's actually easier for them? Or Sure. 15 to 1 is very good. And <laughs> <laughs> if anyone here is running for office, don't expect 15 to 1. Um, however, a, a good campaign should, should certainly break even or do a little better, which is going to be better than any other medium, really. Uh, I mean, a direct mail piece. Might, 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 hopefully it's gonna, it's gonna be better, but that's, that's a different sort of thing. Um, so 15 to 1 is, is quite good. Uh, now Barack Obama is once in a generation, <laughs> a, a, a sort of figure. Uh, however, uh, John McCain campaign enjoyed 7 to 1 with Google. Uh, we've seen McConnell, in fact, uh, Senator McConnell, th their, their campaign claimed almost 20 to 1 on, on some of their ads, which, hmm. was, which was interesting to see. Uh, and we're not gonna question that. Um, so I, I think, you know, what, what, what helped us, and I can, I can speak definitely for the McCain campaign, because I had a lot of conversations with them throughout the campaign and afterwards, their bosses basically said, as long as you can get a certain ROI, as long as you can, let's just say, bring $4 in for every dollar you spend. So for every dollar you spend online, if you bring in four, you can do whatever the hell you want with a fifth dollar, uh, or six, or seventh, or eight. So for us, that was a great way to encourage them to try new things. So all of a sudden, the digital team said, okay, I got, you got to get me to four. And then once we're at four, mm -hmm. we can start exploring YouTube. We can start exploring we other types of ads. Um, and so, and, and the Obama team has said something similar to me, which, and I asked them, how, you know, it's great working with you. How can we make the case? How do you make the case to make this so successful? And they said, start with search. Search works. Um, if it's done right, uh, you're going to see returns. And then the campaign just gets more and more familiar, and it just grows and grows and grows. And for, uh, was that Eric Frenchman on the McCain campaign? Because yes. Eric Frenchman wa has blogged pretty extensively after the McCain campaign about his search strategies and search uh, advertising techniques. Some great blog posts I'm sure you can find about And they were, uh, to, to be fair, the McCain campaign as far as search advertising, really as far as online advertising, was the equal of the Obama campaign, uh, despite what a lot of people uh, said and wrote. Now, with social media, I think it was a different story, but with uh, certainly with the online advertising, we saw parity. And it's interesting to note that in just about every election since 08, it's been the Republican who has been savvier uh, and mm. frankly has spent more online than the Democrat. And, and we're, we're, you know, mm. there, there could be different reasons for that, uh, which we could discuss, but we saw that in Virginia, we saw that in New Jersey, uh, we saw that 
we, we've just been in Massachusetts. I mean, we, we just keep seeing that, which is interesting. Questions? We'll start here. Um, <coughs> could you talk, uh, thank you again for your talk. Uh, could you talk uh, about how you plan to use the mobile platform and integrate all the things that we're talking about with Google's mobile? Excellent question. Um, for Google Inc., so, so across the board, obviously mobile is a, is a, is a huge focus for us. Um, not only advertising on mobile, but with Android, uh, right. our, our phone, our, our, uh, our Is that the software. Nexus one? This is the Nexus one. The official one. Google phone? A little smaller than the iPad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in their pocket, um, uh, but, uh, but 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 I think it shows how serious we are about the medium and, and how we, we see it as a as a tremendous opportunity. We believe I think I've seen this third party stat within three years, uh, more people uh, will be will be searching via mobile than than via PC. So uh, that that to us means we need to pay attention. So uh, we we are very active with that. We're very active. Um, with advertising, all of our advertising campaigns are also run on. You can target specifically <coughs> smartphones, uh, or you can target uh, you know, less smartphones uh, with your advertising. Different forms of advertising. Um, so it, it's it's become very important to us. But other of our tools, so some of our non-paid tools, I think are even more interesting in the mobile space. So voting voting booth location, uh, use of maps uh, on mobile devices, <coughs> click to call. Advertising, so you'll see an ad now that will just uh, instead of uh, online where you click and it takes you to the website. Now you click and it automatically makes a phone call. So this is very connects you to an operator. Co connects you to anyone any, any line that, that the advertiser wants. So if you're running an ad and you say call your member of Congress right now to tell her to support healthcare reform or not, uh, you click it, you're automatically connected. Yep, that's it. My question is, uh, does it relate to the character campaigns, kind of a business? Uh, I often use Google to uh, find something online. For example, if I want to uh, professor who in Harvard University, I put him in the search. So I just want—I'm uh, wondering how how Google makes profits by providing this kind of a search service. It's kind of a free service, or who will pay for that? Um, Barack Obama, <laughs> right? No. Um, for the founders of the company, it was and, and their 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 um, their goal and remains the goal of the company is to put users first. So we always want to make sure that the users are are getting the most out of the products, whether that's search or whether whether it's our other product. Um, so that the natural search or the algorithmic search, which you're talking about, this is the, the, the results you get on the left-hand side of the page or in the white space, uh, are natural search results that are determined by an algorithm uh, unrelated entirely to, to advertising. So it's, it's totally separate. Uh, and hopefully it's returning to you the results that, that, that are relevant to you. Um, now, for the first few years, that's what we did uh, as we were looking for a revenue model. Uh, what was uh, what was discovered and, and adapted from what, what, what others started doing was the idea of putting these little search ads above it and alongside of it. Uh, and even though it's pennies a click in some cases, those clicks add up pretty fast. Uh, and so the advertising model fully supports all of the free, free products that we uh, that we provide. And certainly the search, so people search for something, and you know a, a, a good click-through rate can be anywhere from one percent, two percent, meaning a hundred people conduct that search and only one or two of them click on the ad. That's good. That's good for the advertiser. Uh, that's a pretty good response rate. Uh, it's going to be good for Google, uh, and it's good for the user if they're finding what they're looking for, and that supports the whole ecosystem. Thank you. Here and back there. Well, oh, I just had a questions. Well, the first one was. I was going to ask about the McCain campaign, but you kind of explained that versus Obama, I mean, basically the volume of money that they could put in was much less to begin with anyway. And then Coakley versus Scott Brown. Um, but but I was wondering, you know, when you say put users first, I mean, sometimes I find these ads offensive because I try to read both sides. So when I'm researching the health healthcare bill, I get those fire Nancy Pelosi and then I get, you know, you know, ditch Joe Lieberman and, you know, but it's not so bad because you can just skip it if you want to, unlike television. So you don't have to, you don't have to go, and I find they go away after a while if you don't click on them, at least that's what I think. But, um, but I wondered, um, when you say put users first, it's sort of something that's supposed to serve the user, but ultimately it also 
pushes the users in one direction or another. And I wonder if you have any moral parameters for what kind of advertising you will or will not take. And then my second question is, um, when two, two conflicting um, interest groups want that user's clicks, like in, say, Pennsylvania during the 2000 election, if you clicked on some issue, war in Iraq, and they both want to get your, 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 your eyes and ears, um, how do you, is it, is it whoever gets there first, or do you give them both ads, or you know, you run out of, I mean, sure. how do you decide? Um, good question, so the, the first question is, uh, our policy towards which advertising we accept, uh, and we, we do have uh, policies in terms of for all advertisers, so whether that's uh, corporate or, or political. Um, for our corporate ads, and for, for and for all our ads really, until the political team discovered this, um, you cannot disparage another name brand. So, for instance, a, a Nike can't run an ad that says, buy these shoes, those Adidas versions are crap. Right? That's, we don't think that's really uh, fair. Pepsi <laughs> sucks. Right. I mean, it, it just that's not providing information. I mean, it's an opinion, but it's not it's not providing information. Uh, what we discovered though is that politics is different, and that uh, in some cases, you know, yeah, maybe some candidate is not the best uh, for the job, or, or maybe some uh, organization is right or wrong on an issue, and, and people should be allowed to, to say that. So so that that exception was made. Uh, however, we do we forbid personal attacks. Um, so personal attacks would be an, an attack specifically against uh, a, a protected group, so a race, uh, orientation, uh, gender, uh, nationality, uh, religion, that sort of thing. Um, it would, would you let Would you let the McCain ad, campaign run an ad that says "Is Barack Obama a Christian?" Question mark. Um, we now. Well, I was going to say there's a gray area. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Push polling essentially is what I'm asking. Right, right. Justice right. Potter. Right. We know it when we see it, uh, but <laughs> but but it but it's a tricky issue, and, and we have yeah. you know, and, and sometimes people will complain and say this ad seems to be to cross the line. Uh, we generally look for certain buzzwords, liar, <laughs> killer, uh, <laughs> other words that are inappropriate uh, that that can be flagged, um, and and then we look at other things. Now you know something like that. Um, we don't think that's necessarily maligning him. It's not a, certainly not a negative to be of a different religion. Uh, it's raising a question um, that that was on the minds of, of people, and it, you know that ad was was you know by by the clicks we know that people were certainly interested in it. Um, and so it, it, it gets tough. I mean, and we've had other other situations in the past that have been um, that have been on the border, but but surprisingly not many that thought there would be. <laughs> I, I thought this would be a constant sort of us being forced to play around. Do you find that campaigns are more interested in uh, like? Negative advertising versus positive advertising, or positive is maybe not the right word, but how much, what percentage would you say of campaign's interest is in negative advertising? I, I would be making it up, but, but I think that um, it depends on the stage of the campaign. So I think okay. obviously everybody wants to build their list, everybody Early. wants yeah. uh, to raise money, those are going to be generally positive, unless it's let's fire Nancy Pelosi and <laughs> bucks. Um, you know, that, that might work too. Um, and what we encourage all these campaigns to is to experiment. It's, it's very easy to type out five, ten different versions at the same time. And try and test Just it. run at the same time. One of them's going to get a slightly better click-through rate or a better conversion rate. More people who click on that ad get money as opposed to the other ad. And then you just run that ad. Um, so that's the, hopefully the, the first part of your question. Uh, the second part, um, in terms of who gets the real estate on the page, this is an auction model. Uh, and the auction is determined, rather, the, the, the winner of the auction and the ads rank. Now, again, I, I'm assuming some familiarity here with the system. You've got a number of different ads that will appear on the right-hand side, sometimes at the top in yellow or peach, whatever it is. Um, the, the ranking is determined by what you're willing to bid per click. So I'm willing to bid a dollar every time someone clicks on this ad, or 50 cents, or 10 cents, or $10. Um, but it's also, in equal measure, your quality score. And the quality score is, to us, an indication of how relevant the ad is. What is the click-through rate of this ad? Uh, what is the click-through rate of this account, of this of the history, historical um, click-through rate of this account? Is this a, an advertiser that generally provides relevant advertising? Is the ad um, relevant to the text, uh, to the query? To the words so it's how up. useful is the ad to the user That's who's right. searching? Because what not only us but other search other other search engines discover is that if you don't have a quality score, the highest bidder is always going to win, and the highest bidder is not always going to be the most relevant ad. Uh, 
it, it would be all ads, uh, you know, for pharmaceuticals you may or may not need, or, or lawsuits that you may or may not be interested in, uh, or other things. Uh, and, and so what we discovered is that's not good for anybody. It, it's, it's as much as the advertisers would want that, uh, it's not good for them because they won't get clicks, because it's not useful. Uh, it's not good for the user experience because they're not finding what they want, and of course it's not good for us no one's clicking on it, so there's no revenue. So it's an auction model. There's plenty of space. Uh, during the healthcare debate, we've so, we've seen over a hundred different advertisers advertise on Google Search, which is an amazing thing. And I talked about the democratizing nature of this. If you look back to 1994, uh, sure there were other advertisers, but we all really remember just one. Right? We remember the television ad, um, uh, which. Uh, which ultimately helped kill the bill. Um, and nowadays, it, it's not just the wealthiest interest group that can run ads. It's really anybody uh, with, with five ten bucks, bucks or ten bucks who wants to run, who has a credit card, can, can run ads on Google. Can I ask a follow-up? What if you don't have a quality? Like, what if you just started? How do you prove that you have quality? It's a good question. And, and, and the question is, what if you don't have a quality score if you're a new advertiser? And this happens even with large advertisers. So let's say you are, you are uh, Paramount and you're coming out with a new movie title. Uh, or I'll give a political example. Let's say you're a Republican uh, candidate for president and you nominate a relative unknown, <laughs> for instance, uh, Sarah Palin. Um, the system doesn't recognize her, it doesn't recognize the name necessarily, um, and so what we do is we'll rely on your previous quality score in that case. Or, uh, as I mentioned, we'll look at the quality of the landing page, we'll look at the quality, uh, the, the correspondence between the, the query and the, and the, and the ad text. Um, and you'll also, uh, you, you will begin to develop the history very quickly uh, as, as people click. So it, 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 the system is trying to figure that out as fast as it can. In many cases, we'll recommend if you're a new advertiser, bid a little higher just to get yourself in the action, <coughs> and then people will click. Uh, and then the price comes down. And, and the way this works, and again, I don't want to get too deep into it, but if you have a higher quality score, your rank goes up and your cost per click goes down. So in many cases, the ad at the top in every case, the ad at the top is paying less than some of the other ads. They're being rewarded for their quality score. Okay, ma'am, and then behind me. Um, you talked about the, the value of all of this, especially to insurgent types of campaigns and how they're more willing to be innovative. Um, I heard recently about a case, sort of the opposite, um, in the, the Texas Republican primary for the governor's race, um, where Rick Perry, the, the incumbent governor, basically threw out all kinds of traditional outreach. Um, can you talk a little bit about what opportunities or innovations there are for incumbents? Rick Perry's interesting. He's sort of the insurgent incumbent. Yeah. Right? Whenever you want to secede uh, from the U.S., it's hard to, hard to <laughs> That the doesn't qualify as an incumbent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but, but it's a good point, and, and people have asked. And, and, and in fact, some, uh, I recall a recent story that suggested incumbents had an advantage because they've got this built-in quality score. They exist. Um, and so there's more of a history, but that is why incumbents win 90 plus percent of the time, right? They've got name recognition. Uh, there's, a his, there's a history out there, which, which is good and bad, depending on the mood of the country. Uh, so you know, we're seeing incumbents use these tools um, in, in, in similar ways. Uh, we've seen them use them, for instance, during the, uh, the healthcare debate, they would use Google Maps to plot out where in their district they were having town hall meetings which was sort of an interesting use of it. You could click on, on the meeting, it would open up a video or open up a blog post, you know, here I am talking about this issue, I've got a lot of great questions, uh, you know, contact me for information, that sort of stuff. So they're using those tools. A new tool which we've been we're using a lot lately, which has been great for incumbents, but could also be used for challengers, so I don't think you've seen it, uh, something called Google Moderator. Has anyone seen that? This was, uh, for instance, after the President's um, State of the Union. I think we did a, mo a mo he sat down and actually did an interview on YouTube, and we used moderator where citizens could enter questions, vote them up or down, and then the president would answer the questions. Uh, and so incumbents are starting to use that again for town hall meetings, things like that. Behind me. Yeah, I'm curious about your activities in other countries. So apparently you are able to carry a specific message to a certain group in the U.S. Are we available to? Uh, is it possible to do that in other countries like Turkey? Let's say. Yeah. Uh, it, it is possible in other countries, and, and we have. Um, it's funny, as I mentioned, that that um, large advertisers in the U.S. were very interested about the Obama experience. So I had people within the company calling and saying, "Hey, what, how do you do it? Let's, you know, how can we sell soap <laughs> the way that you sold that? Uh, <laughs> Google sold that." Uh, but but we, I also get calls routinely from. from Googlers around the world, uh, actually speaking later today with some, some, some of our uh, people in Australia uh, to talk about that. 
uh, I know that uh, there was just a great story in Wired, this issue, about how the Conservative Party in, in the UK is using digital strategies, specifically, uh, or in many cases, Google. So we're using it in, in a lot of different countries. Some people do it on their own. It's a very much a self-service tool, uh, Google is. So it's people ask us how many campaigns are using it. We really don't know, I mean, because if you're geotargeting it to a certain region, uh, on your credit card, we would never see it. So, uh, so I'm sorry. So, so, so it's hard to track. So localization and geotargeting is a global Google priority or feature across all the all products. All right. products, absolutely. And you know, people often ask, how exact is it? It's it's pretty good. We believe it's the best um, uh, online geotargeting, but it's not as good as mobile. Uh, and so, with with mobile, mm -hmm. the more people that have smartphones who have potentially have GPS on their phones you're going to get very, very, very locally targeted advertising. <laughs> you know, you'll walk by a coffee shop and, oh, free coffee, <laughs> um, good or bad. But uh, I think you'll see that. It's a little bit harder with PCs. But in general, yes, everywhere. Uh, now, we've had policy issues in some countries, uh, I believe some in Turkey, some in, uh, in Thailand and in, um, in China uh, and other places uh, where some systems sometimes, some products are, don't work the way they should. But in general, it's available. It is available everywhere. Boris, and then back here. Um, thank you so much for this one. Um, I'd just like to know if um, natural search re results are user specific, like for instance, depending on, on browsing history, and if so, do I have to be logged in to like Gmail or like my Google profile for that, for that to be the case? And what are the political uses of, of that? Uh, that's a good question. It's about a personalized search. So um, s search is very different today than what it was. It, even even six months ago or 18 months ago. Search used to be the idea of 10 blue links, and that was the way you would turn search. Um, now, uh, that, that's changed, certainly on Google and, and also with Bing and Yahoo and others, where now video results will come up, uh, news results, images, uh, social search. You, you might see you know, something from, from your social circle if you're logged in. Real-time search on some Google searches, you'll now see live Twitter feed, which is, which is pretty cool and can be useful. Um, if you are logged in, you will get a more personalized experience. Um, I believe if you you know you conduct a search and you consistently click on a certain item in that list as opposed to a different item, I think it will it will bump that up for you. You'll see that actually when you're logged in, you'll see um, little icons next to each um, next to each entry, and you can click sort of thumbs up, thumbs down. This one's relevant to me. This one's not, and, and, and it will affect that. Um, for for political reason for political what if you're no, I'm sorry what if you're not logged in though if you're not logged in um, it will be less personalized although um, it will be localized it will though. be localized because your IP address now you can opt out entirely it'll be somewhat personalized right wasn't that the December change in December there was a change towards some personalization of one logged in search it's right the biggest privacy story not widely told right looking at yeah. looking at your IP address so and, yeah. and, you know in many and this is yeah. a big issue it, it's 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 because it really does affect the user experience if yeah. We're, if we don't know who you are, your results may turn out in French next time. Uh, yeah. Right? You know, that's a, that's a definitely an extreme example, but it's fine. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yours too. Yours too. Then, especially for you know, especially for somebody like you. So, if you're in uh, in the states, but you're searching in French, mm -hmm. and, and if you weren't, if we weren't tracking it in some way, or, or had some knowledge of, of the user uh, IP history. We would give you results just in English, but it'll be in French. Same would go if you're in another country. So there's some reasons for it. There's also, um, those are po hopefully positive reasons why we want to improve the experience. It, it, it's also important for us to try and combat some of the negative uh, attacks out there. So you've heard perhaps of um, you know, inadvertent clicks or click fraud. Um, if, if, we're, if we don't know who's doing the clicks, then you could sit here and click on an ad 100 times which would not be useful for the advertiser. Um, and we, we wouldn't be able to, to understand it's coming from the same IP address. So you know, it's definitely a more complicated topic than that, but there are reasons why we do need to understand uh, and make it more personalized, but also understand the IP address. Back here. We don't read about it here, but I've noticed in the foreign language European press, there have been a lot of articles about a couple of lawsuits about taking your ranking system Excluding competitive search engines and things like that. Um, what's involved in it? What's, what, what are the complaints? I, I've just glanced at the article. Sure. Um, 
not being part of our policy team, uh, and not being a lawyer <laughs> for sure. I don't want to get too deep into that. Uh, there, there, there are a couple of um, of complaints in the, in the EU from from uh, I think there are three companies, uh, two of which we see to be aligned with, with Microsoft, uh, just to, as a point of. of Fact. Uh, but you know, but but still, you know, that may explain it all. Eh, well, maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah, and the idea is ultimately, though, the idea is who determines search results. Um, you know, we we believe that um, that that an algorithm uh, based upon the users will, will be the best way to, to determine what results appear. Um, now, for every advertiser who is upset that their that their link went down a spot. There's another website or advertiser who's very happy that they're that they just went up a spot. So it's it's a tricky situation. Um, we certainly believe that uh, <coughs> the government, for instance, wouldn't be very good at determining the order uh, of search <laughs> results. Uh, we'd much prefer it to be uh, up to the algorithm and up to different search engines. You know, you know if 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 somebody's not ha happy with what they're finding, they certainly more than welcome to. Try another search engine. Were they complaining that there was some sort of personal intervention with the algorithm? Was that part of the issue? I, I, I believe, basically, yeah, they were complaining that there was something going on that uh, affected their natural search results. Maybe their ad, ad results too, but, but, but I think they're at so, last it's an interesting issue for the future, though. Last question to John. A little bit uh, local. First of all, uh, did the Coakley people show any interest in uh, uh, the internet? Either in the primary or the second round. And she is going to be running for attorney general. I'm going to a dinner for her next week, so it'll be interesting. But the second question. I've got a message for her if I can. <laughs> <laughs> the second question is, though, you know, just help me. Obama got, I don't know, 13 or 18 million contributions uh, uh, from the internet, basically. Uh, not dollars, but uh, numbers of people, right? I think the number is 13 million on his email okay. list. Did that all begin with? people searching. Is that how it all basically begins? I mean, that's one hell of a list, whether it, whether there are 26 million people, I mean. Sure. Um, I'll pick the second one first uh, and, ho and, and hope that I run out of time on, this, on the, uh, the first one. <laughs> I'll get you some business. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, um, it, I, I, again, I think the number was 13 million at the end, uh, is, is what thir I heard. Thir 13 million people on the list. Uh, I don't remember exactly how many contributors. I think it was in the six million nine, range. Six to nine million. Uh, now they were not all from online. I'm, you know, I'm assuming people went to an event. You could sign up your name, or, or you got something in the mail. Uh, my, my suspicion would be the bulk, or, or on the website. I mean, my, my suspicion is the great bulk were online. Well, uh, I can actually answer this. My first uh, client after Dean was Obama's Senate campaign. Okay. And uh, it was a relatively small email list in the beginning, like a couple thousand, built off of community organizing in his Senate primary campaign and took a huge jump of approximately 50,000 new email addresses when he uh, gave his speech at the DNC convention in 2004 during uh, prime time. Oh, and, you know, so that's where the first 52,000 came from. And w what's worth <laughs> noting about that is, is these, these huge spikes in interest are incredible opportunities to build your list. So uh, the, the Joe Wilson moment. So when Joe Wilson uh, shouted, uh, when he shouted during his speech, uh, you know, within an hour, and now his name wasn't even released, at least on the network I was watching, until after the speech ended. So he did that around 8.30, by 9.30, 10 o'clock, on Google Trends, and we, 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 this is a free tool, which is sort of fun to look at, it shows you the fastest rising search trends uh, in the country or, or region or world. Uh, Joe Wilson, Uli, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, were rising very fast. In fact, he was the top search. Um, what he discovered very quickly was that there were a certain percentage of people out there who were supportive, uh, and he ran search ads saying, "Support Joe Wilson, to, you know, keeping the president, uh, you know, truthful," um, and he and he raised over two million dollars. Now he's got a huge list. Uh, Sarah Palin. Every time Sarah Palin opens her mouth, <laughs> you know, she, a lot of people go online to look for what she said, and they sign up. So. Uh, it's, it's always a great opportunity for all sides. So the t-shirt guys and the bumper sticker guys are always Freedom. right on there. <laughs> uh, but, but other issue groups jump I noticed last week, I think one of the top things on Google Trends is what's in the health care bill. Yeah. Right? That's an opportunity, people looking for information. That was an opportunity. But then the, on the White House blog, they changed the title of their blog post to what's in the health care bill. 
because they were looking at Google Trends, to the search they, trends. They knew that people were searching for what's in the health field. They wanted to make sure that it, it ranked very high. They were running ads too. And finally, any see. advice that you have? In I don't think the Massachusetts sure. local Democrats really have been very savvy. They're so yeah. confident. I mean, now again, I, I think that's a, that's a, it's a classic <laughs> example of, of an insurgent. The race was nationalized. It was there, there was. A lot going for Scott Brown in terms of having an effective digital strategy. Now they had to be savvy and smart enough to do it. Uh, the Coakley campaign, I, I just I, I recall from reading an interview, they were very much focused on social uh, so, uh, social networking and social social media, which is important. Um, my argument would be that's generally talking to the base. I mean, if it's opt-in, if someone's following on Twitter, it's probably not an undecided independent voter. Uh, might be, but probably not. Uh, I think advertising might be more effective working in tandem, working together. They, they did run some ads, though it was through uh, other groups. Uh, so Act Blue uh, was raising money from the DSCC, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee was running, was running ads to them. I think it would have been more effective if she had done it herself. It goes to this quality score idea. If, if the ad says, if you search for Martha Coakley and the ad says Martha Coakley, click here, MarthaCoakley.com, people are a lot more likely to click on it than it is DSCC, keep Ted Kennedy's seat in Democratic hands. It's not quite as it's, it's relevant, but it's not quite as uh, as on target. So fascinating hour, Peter. Thank you so much.